0: Liz Goodrich, a person and a name I hope you are familiar with if you live in Central Oregon, particularly the city of Redmond. She is not only a law-abiding, concerned citizen, but truly a person of interest. As an elected official on the Redmond School District Board of Directors, Liz Goodrich is one of five elected, non-salaried trustees of the school district and responsible for the scope Depth and quality of education and is the official policy-making body of the school district. Liz is a person who really gets involved. As a voting population, if we were just half as involved as she is, we could exercise our joint political power for the positive progressive changes we need here in Central Oregon. Speaking of Central Oregon... Welcome to a Speaking of Central Oregon edition of the Tuesday Point, Thursday Point, KPOV's (laughs) Friday, sorry, (laughs) KPOV's premier community affairs program. I am your host, Boy Steve, with the one who really makes this show possible, the love of my life, my wife, Paula. Lots of people make a name for themselves, sometimes whether or not they really want to. Far too many people have become infamous for foul deeds drawing attention to themselves out of personal selfishness. Conversely, some others do it for the common good of all. Some concerned citizens make a name for themselves for their meaningful contributions and often go unappreciated. Not today. This is Liz Goodrich's day to be appreciated for her concerns about the common good for Central Oregon, as we all should be. Liz Goodrich was elected to the board of directors in May of 2019. Liz graduated from Bend High School and holds a Bachelor of Arts in English and a secondary teaching certificate from California State University. She has worked for the Deschutes County Public Library for 17 years as an adult programs coordinator. Liz and her husband have two sons who have graduated from Redmond High School and the Redmond Proficiency Academy. Liz is passionate about serving the community and is committed to making schools the best they can be. Wow. Thanks so much, Liz, for being with us today. So,
1: Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. That was quite an introduction, by the way.
0: Well, I was afraid you wouldn't kind of brag on yourself. And, and, you know, it's not a brag. I know the heart of people like you, and you are happy to get involved, and that's the way it should be. So let's get right down to the the bullet points. What is the, the role of a school board member?
1: Thanks for asking, you know, I, because I think there, there's a lot of misconception about what school boards do. We basically ha- have three jobs. First is to hire or fire the superintendent. The second is to approve the budget. And the third is to adopt policy. Those are three fairly, I mean, they sound pretty simple, but you know, between the budget and the adoption of policy, those two things can really touch all the work that goes on in the school district. So it's, it can be pretty involved, but a lot of people, I think, assume that school boards have more power than we actually, by law, have. Because, you know, attendant to the budget and the policy, you have to follow the law also. So it, it can get daunting. You know, we got a huge number of policies to review this year because of some laws that were passed in the legislature. So we're really digging deep into that to make sure that this Reading School District is aligned with the law, policies are aligned with the law. Um, but it's work that I find really gratifying. I mean, it was—it's over. It can be overwhelming, especially at first it was a little like, I don't think I understood exactly the assignment and it's taken me a while to get into the groove, but I feel like I've landed in a place where I have something to offer and um, I understand the job.
0: I'd agree fully. I think from the outside looking in, people look at government and they think, well, some things are pretty easy. Well, being on the school board, doesn't appear to be easy to me at all a lot well, of mov- a lot of moving parts
1: you know, <laughs> yeah a lot of moving parts and you know i will say over the course of our history school boards have been front and center for a lot of culture war battles uh and it's come around again you know i think that 10 years ago people would have assumed that school board jobs were sleepy kind of feel good kind of work and that's not that's not true anymore we're definitely in the crosshairs between you know, you look at states that are banning books. You look at states that are banning teachers, prevent, preventing teachers from teaching a full and accurate history of our country. We are now back in the crosshairs again, and it's it's a little it's a little unnerving to see.
0: Boy, I couldn't agree more fully. I, you know, I think as a public resource, the the library has become more important as we've gone on, and most certainly, I think that there's very few books that are fit to consume. And, you know, there are some, but, you know, for all practical purposes, I think in a uh, free and open society, we need to look at other points of view and look at them with a reasoning eye.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's the beauty of a public library that you, if you don't like a book, you don't have to read it. It's that simple. School districts work, you know, that parents of students, parents or guardians of students have a remarkable amount of freedom when it comes to their own children. If you have, if, let's say, you know, sex ed is a very controversial topic, and now, you know, sadly, it's getting into language arts classrooms and history classrooms. If you don't want your student to participate in one particular part of the curriculum, parents have the right to opt their children out of that. But what parents don't have the right to do is make that their choice be the choice for other parents' kids. You know, you don't want your child to learn about A, B, C, or D. That doesn't mean you your choice applies to my student. And I think we're in a time when people are wrestling with that 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 line, it's like what's good for your kid is good for your kid, but what's good for your kid is maybe not good for my kid.
0: Yeah, I think people have become reactionary without examining, you know, all the material that's available. You have to really have an open mind to look at everything. Fortunately, that's what the school board does.
1: Right? Yeah. Exactly. So it's a so it's definitely a challenging time, Steve.
0: Oh, I you know it it really is difficult because i've i've been more involved in this particular aspect of my life than i have ever been and watching what goes on at grassroot at the grassroot level is really challenging because it is a lot of moving parts and i'm glad that people like you are involved in those moving parts
1: thank you I, yeah it's been a real it's been a real privilege it's um you know community service you know we we had a pretty big board meeting this week and you know the we, we the board members we do this voluntarily we we are not paid and we we can't be fired we just might not get reelected so i just wanted to clear that up for people i've been getting hearing a lot about uh, that i should be fired I'm like i can't be fired i may not get reelected but i can't be fired and we're there because and even though i disagree frequently with my fellow board members you know they they're there for the same reason that I am, that they care about kids. And I I go into every board meeting with that, assuming that intention, like they're there for the same reason I am.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I think that school boards and even students have become part of a political battle. And, you know, that's a level of stress that I don't feel should be foistered on the students and obviously people are going to be you know students are going to be influenced by their parents and their parents viewpoints boy i i wouldn't want to be a teacher or a member of the school board i don't know how you find a balance of allowing students to have respect for their parents and still you know looking at all the information that's available
1: Yeah, you know, that's super interesting. I I hadn't really thought, well, I have been thinking a lot about this, actually. You know, students, especially secondary high school students, you know, I think about there's the Supreme Court cases about education always start in the schools. So if you think about the students who wanted to wear black armbands in protest of the Vietnam War, I mean, those were high school students. So I think students, especially older ones, have the capacity to understand and be motivated to act in a political way. But protesting the Vietnam War feels a lot different to me than protesting mitigation strategies of a global pandemic. Protesting the Vietnam War is different than fighting back against strategies to keep staff and students healthy and safe and in our buildings.
0: Yeah, when you and I were back in high school, and I was back a a ways further than you, these sort of things just didn't come up that much. Uh, mm-hmm. Things weren't as intense as they are today, and most certainly, we've challenged accepted norms. As I prepared for this program, you know, I ask myself, and I've asked myself this plenty of times, should surgeons perform procedures without scrubbing up gowns, gloves, and masks? How would that be for everybody? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's,
1: um, it's confusing. I mean, it's it's confusing to me when you have... You know, brain surgeons who are masked up for hours, hours on end, you know, doing very complicated procedures, they wear masks and do fine. <laughs> I don't, so I don't, I don't get the disconnects. Um, and I'm sad about it, That you know, misinformation and is being so widespread, has become so widespread. I, th-
0: I think we've all noticed, you know, when we get involved in anything that has any form of government, There's always going to be people that are going to have, you know, push back against what we all think is safe. And I think it's really dangerous if you're not really considering all angles. And, you know, as far as the masking goes, we're not doing it for ourselves as much as we are for everybody else. We want to stop the spread of this disease and, you know, bring it to its conclusion with the least amount of of problems possible. Yeah, and here's.
1: Where I, I do agree with um, some of the statements from my fellow board members at Wednesday meeting that, you know, I believe that this is going to, we're getting to the endemic stage where this is going to be something that we deal with on a seasonal basis, but it's going to be much less severe, much less lethal, and I'm, I can't wait to get there. I don't like wearing a mask. I don't like not being able to, I haven't been in a restaurant since this whole thing started. You know, I don't like that. But I also don't like to see more than 800,000 Americans dead. So I am certainly willing to do A, B, and C to, you know, make that number not go any higher. We're so close, you know, especially when it comes to the the indoor unmasking rule. We are so close. And it's just like, can we just not do the chaos to get between here and that date that OHA announced? Um, I think it's totally reasonable to think we can just hang on and be civil to one another between now and the 31st.
0: It seems like that would be <clears throat> the absolute best option going forward. You know, it isn't that long. And <laughs> as a as a, uh, CPAP wearer, uh, you know, the idea of masking to, you know, save my life is really important when I put on that that breathing apparatus every night when I go to sleep, I am thankful that medical science has moved forward and I haven't suffered a stroke from sleep apnea. <laughs> and yeah. and that's a, a, a far less concern than coronavirus has presented us with. Right. And and who knows what's going to come up after this. And I think if we keep digging in our heels and and resisting what sounds reasonable, I think we're in for some some more really difficult times i sure hope not
1: yeah yeah me too i yeah me too what the resolution that was passed on wednesday i mean i disagreed with a lot of what was in it but the one actionable item that was included in that that resolution was directing the district you know led by dr klein to come up with a plan for going back to school without you know masks optional and i think that was a perfectly reasonable request um, it's a little bit tro- it's a little bit problematic in that any plan that the district puts forward to go back to school with masks optional has to be based on guidance and guidelines from ODE and ODE has not put out guidelines yet. So we've kind of asked Dr. Klein to do something that he does not have the tools to actually do. So we're sort of operating it's <laughs> like I'm not sure where the goalposts are here, but um, here's my best guess, I guess. And I, I, I'm glad, you know, on one hand, I'm glad that, that the the board in this resolution has asked him to start doing this work. Because, you know, we have, a hu- we have a huge district. We're the 17th largest district in the state. And you can't pivot from masks to masks optional on a dime. So he needs to, he does need to start working on this. So I think that's a like the one upside of this resolution right now that I see. And he's got a lot of work, the, the whole team at the... The whole team has a lot of work ahead. because Just because masks go away doesn't mean the coronavirus goes away. You know, quarantining rules are going to change. Social, How far do kids have to be apart from one another without masks is probably going to look different than, you know, when you had a mask on, you could be three feet from each other. But without a mask, you're supposed to be six feet. I mean, that's what the current guidelines say. So the, it's, it's a herculean task. And um, I'm glad he's getting, they're going to start working on it.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I feel a, a high level of compassion for the people that are in the medical field. You know, they, they must not have as good of crystal balls as everybody else has, I guess.
1: Well, I think what people in the medical world and scientists know better than the rest of us is that they only know what they know. And they always, I think, know to expect things to change. You know, science is always changing. How we've understood this virus has changed. And, and I bristle when people say they're always changing the rules, they're always saying one thing and then doing another the next day. I'm like, well, it's because they, they know more now. You know, they, what we know about the virus now is not what we knew about it two years ago. So, I mean, I think the only thing constant about science is that it's changing.
0: Absolutely. I think that that's why you are very important and absolutely important in this particular situation. I think that we have to look at the most conservative side and I think that's the whole idea is to conserve life and make sure that you keep as many people well as possible and keep as many uh, people out of the hospital as you possibly can.
1: Liz? Yeah, and when it, when it comes to schools, you got to keep the buildings open, and you only do that when you have people who are, who are not sick.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, Liz, I think it's really great that you came and talked on air today. I think in the last minute we have, I want you to encourage people to get involved and vote.
1: Yeah, we've got some, you know, the city council race in the fall and primaries in the spring, and I, I just voting is, is that one sure way of exercising your democracy, and in Redmond, we, we, we've looked at voter turnout, um, voter turnouts in the last couple of elections, and people are just, you know, they're choosing to sit on the sidelines. And elections, elections matter. And I think about the school board race, school board race that happened in the fall, and some of those races were extremely close. You know, one one current board member only won by like forty votes. And if he had, if that person hadn't won, the face of our district, our school board would be different. So. You know, it, elections are crucial, and it's how you get your, your voice out there. So, yes, please vote.
0: Yep. And I want to also add: start watching the city council meetings and even the school board meetings. It's important that you are informed. Liz, I want to thank you so much for being on air today. Uh, I look forward Absolutely. to talking, having you on air again. Thanks again, right, Liz. Steve.
1: Thanks, Stephen Paul.